all the songs about joy, I was uh, thinking about, you know, a little baby and how, you know, you know especially not, not just a baby, but thinking about baby Jesus and, and thinking about how people do refer to babies as, as being precious or being a, a bundle of joy. You know, <laughs> I thought, man, is that an understatement when we think about Jesus? You know, this, there's, there's a joy, there's a light that, that exploded from, from his birth that is reverberated and will continue to reverberate, reverberate throughout eternity. And just thought, wow, just incredible when you think of this, that coming in this, the form of a baby. And uh, just, uh, we're going to talk more about that joy today. Um, so... Are you expecting? <laughs> the, the context of that question and whether or not uh, you were expecting to be expecting can make all the differences in the world, uh, especially in regards to pregnancy. Um, in that context, asking that question can also be one of the most dangerous things that you can do and should probably be avoided at all costs. Um, in my family, uh, like in, in many others, um, Pregnancy didn't exactly happen when we, when we planned or according to our timing. It can be kind of a stressful or difficult thing for a young couple because uh, as a young adult, you get used to things um, kind of happening when you want them. You, uh, you have a lot of control for laying out the plans of your life when you're young. As early as your sophomore or junior year in high school, uh, you may have started thinking about college or, or what kind of work you want to do. Um, most had some sort of a plan before they graduated from high school. You may have decided to take the summer off, or you may have uh, decided to go right to work. Um, you may have had a school lined up. But no matter what, um, you had some sort of a plan. You had control over your future. And uh, many of you maybe chose to move out of the house right away, or maybe your parents just gave you more control over the reins of your life. Uh, now, if you wanted to go on a trip or you want to make a major purchase, you just did it whenever it was most comfortable or convenient for you. Um, it felt like life was in your control. Uh, I know this isn't true for everyone, but I think for many, that's, that's how it feels. You spent your whole childhood waiting so that you could have control of your life and do what you want, when you want, and now it's your time. But it didn't last. <laughs> Life is full of the unexpected, and life is not all in your control. Uh, you quickly learn that uh, you can't depend on life's experiences to sustain your joy. Uh, when Tanya and I got married, things started off pretty close to our plans. Um, uh, we, we got married, we got jobs, we bought a starter house, and we got pregnant. Not exactly at the time that we wanted to, but we were only about six months off our plan, and and. And we were super excited because we were expecting to be expecting. We were joyful that we had a baby coming. Um, our next major plan was to have our kids close together in age. Uh, that did not go quite as planned. We were, we were frustrated. Um, we were even a little nervous. We started scheduling doctor's appointments, trying to figure out what might be wrong. Um, we had a delay in our expectations. And uh, we were learning more and more that life was not completely in our control. Uh, fast forward and skipping some details for time, uh, we finally got pregnant. And we were super excited and our expectations were fulfilled. Um, our boys ended up two years and nine months apart, which isn't a huge gap, but it was not exactly our plan. But with both babies, we celebrated and were excited 
because um, we were expecting to be expecting. Uh, after Chad, we debated on having a third baby, and we waited, well, we, deba- we debated for about three years, and, uh, and we finally decided on no. We're not going to have another one. We made plans, we made purchases, all kind of fitting into this nice little family of four. And as it happens, as with many families, um, we had a surprise. We were expecting, but this time was different. Uh, this time, we were not expecting to be expecting. <laughs> and uh, as you know, adding a child uh, can really uh, take a, a hit on your plans. It can really change what your, your uh, future looks like. So it took me longer than did Tanya to kind of accept this new addition, this new plan in our life, um, I, I would just kept on thinking about how it was going to mess up our plans, you know. It, <laughs> we had vacation plans, we had recreation plans, and, and most of all, we had financial plans. You know, Tanya had just gone back to work. Um, we had a, uh, we just re- we'd refinanced a couple years before with a arm loan, uh, arm loan, uh, adjustable rate mortgage, and so we, we really wanted to get that paid off using her income before the adjustable rate would start to adjust. And so, um, so that was, was all in the mixed. And, uh, and of course that fix, you know, affects your, your, you know, when you might retire in the future and all those sorts of plans. So it's amazing how the same life event can have a complete opposite, uh, effect on you when you're not expecting it. And I was not really joyful. I was actually a little sad. <laughs> uh, today, as we prepare to celebrate Christmas, uh, I'm reminded of two other um, pregnancies that were not expected. Uh, of course, they are Joseph and Mary expecting Jesus and Zechariah and Elizabeth expecting John. We're going to look at how God's unexpected gift of joy we're going to look at god's unexpected gift of joy and how we need to expect it have hope for it so let's pray lord i just ask that you would bless uh your word as it is being delivered uh to the people here today that um that we would all be encouraged by it that we'd all be strengthened by it and that we would find uh hope and joy in you and in in your uh, fulfillment of your promises and your salvation of the world, Lord. We, we thank you for it, and uh, we just ask you to bless it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, we're going to get a lot of reading today. Uh, we'll have it up on the screens. We're going to start off with uh, Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 5. When Herod was king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife, Elizabeth, was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very old. One day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week. And as was the custom of the priest, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. While the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. 
But the angel said, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife Elizabeth will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drink. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth, and he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Zechariah said to the angel, How can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man, and my wife is also well along in years. The angel, of, the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah to come out of the sanctuary, wondering why, why he was taking so long. When he finally did come out, he couldn't speak. Then he realized from his they realized from his gestures and his silence that he must have seen a vision in the sanctuary. When Zechariah's week of service in the temple was over, he returned home. Soon afterwards, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant, and he went into seclusion for five months. Um, how kind the Lord is, she exclaimed. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. Can you imagine if you rewinded the clock a little bit and, and you look back decades earlier, you think about Zachariah and Elizabeth when they were in their youth. As they grew up, you know, what must they imagine their life would be like? Uh, of course, they, they thought they would have kids. That was, that was a given. And that day, um, that wasn't really a choice. You didn't decide not to have kids. We see in Elizabeth's response that not having kids was considered a disgrace. Yet that was their experience. They were unable to conceive in their youth. And they no doubt offered prayers to God during the years that one would expect to conceive. But now Elizabeth was past the age of fertility. And based on Zechariah's response, you have to wonder when Gabriel said, God has heard your prayer, how long ago was that prayer? Right? Because at this point, they definitely were not expecting to be expecting. But God had a plan. And I kind of connect with Zechariah you know, like me, with our little surprise. Um, his first thoughts were about the details, about the physical. How is this going to work? How in the world, you know, like we're too old. I, I don't know if you, you didn't notice, but <laughs> we're old. Um, but uh, he, he focused on the physical instead of the miracle. He's, he said, how can you be sure this could happen? How can you be sure this will happen? It sounds like a reasonable response, right? Seems like something that you might say in that, in that situation to some degree. But on the other hand, the place and manner in which it took place kind of makes you wonder if, if it was the right response or if, you know, 
what you would have done in, in his place. In this time in history, the, the Jews were still living by the Levitical laws, um, which entailed a whole list of sacrifices and ceremonies, um, different duties that had to be done in the temple. And one of these duties was to offer incense before the Lord every morning and every evening. Um, because some parts of the, the services in the temple were more sacred than others or more honorable than others, the priest and Levites would divide up the chores by using lots. And there were three priests that were assigned to this specific duty of offering incense. One of them would go in and they would remove the ashes from the previous offering. And then the next one would go and they would take hot burning coals from the sacrifice altar out in the courtyard and they would bring them into the temple and put them on the gold altar of incense. And then the third person would come in and they would actually sprinkle the incense onto the burning coals. And at the same time, they would, um, they would make intercession for the people. They would pray before God for the people of Israel, for the, for the Jewish nation. So this last part was the part that fell to Zacharias. And it was the most honorable part of the, the service. Um, this was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for Zechariah to be able to pray before God in this way. So Zechariah was living a righteous life. We, we read about that. He's living a righteous life. He's serving God in the temple. And he was even chosen by God to be the one who got to go in and make this offering and to pray for the nation. And then with that as the backdrop, an angel appears to him. But not just any angel, Gabriel appears to him and gives him a message from God that through him will come the one who will prepare the hearts of the people to receive the ultimate answer to the prayers of intercession that he's actually offering. And with that context in mind, we have to think, come on, Zechariah. <laughs> Where's your faith? We just read that you're righteous in God's eyes and, and you obey his commandments and regulations. Um, you displayed a life of faith, but when God really shows up, he wasn't expecting it. Um, before we, we, you know, pound too hard on Zechariah, though, uh, when we think of our own lives, don't we do that a little bit too? Hasn't there been times where you've prayed for something and then it happened and you're surprised? Or you prayed for something and it happens and you wonder, did God really do that or did it just, did it just happen to work out? I know that, that I've done that. I think we've all done that at times. It reminds me um, of the church of Acts. We read that Peter was locked up in jail and God sent an angel to free him. At the same time, there's people praying for him in a house that he would be safe, that he would be set free. And then when Peter shows up at the door, a girl hears him there, goes and tells him Peter's at the door. And what do they say? You're out of your mind. <laughs> she keeps on trying to convince them and they keep on saying, no, that, that can't be. So the thing they're praying for, they didn't actually have the expectation that it could really happen right then. It can be easy to talk the talk or even sometimes walk the walk, but there's a part of us that can get hung up on trusting our own knowledge and our own plan, and we trust the physical over the miracle. And we can miss out on joy. 
So thank God he has grace that is sufficient to cover our inconsistencies. Uh, When life has proven to be out of control and the things that you expected or hoped for haven't happened and things that you didn't expect did happen, God is still in control. Just like Zechariah, he hears your prayers. And just like Zechariah, the answer to those prayers may come at a time you didn't expect. And it may feel like suffering until they do. And just like Elizabeth, uh, just like Elizabeth's season of barrenness was replaced with joy when it seemed unlikely, we can find our joy in a God that can do and has done the impossible. So maybe that, uh, maybe that will look like God giving you the desires of your heart. Maybe that's how you'll see God's hand move. Maybe it'll be in God's, God changing your heart, giving you different desires. But in the end, when we receive or accept whatever his answer is, whatever his plan is, we can find joy in his plan. We don't always know all of his plans. But in his word, we do know some of his plans. So if we can focus on what we know that God has promised, we can find joy in that. Gabriel told Zechariah that he would have great joy and gladness. Uh, Zechariah, Zechariah may not have had a lot of joy right off the bat because he didn't receive the message right away and he ended up mute for nine months. But when the, when the promise was fulfilled and he was able to speak, the Holy Spirit came upon him and he gave a joyous prophecy, praising and thanking God. Moving on to our uh, second unexpected pregnancy, Mary and Joseph. Um, Mary and Joseph were young and maybe it was their, their youth that was in their favor. Jesus talks about having childlike faith. And uh, childlike faith isn't something that uh, you know, disappears in an instant. It's one of those things that as we get older, we start to depend more and more on our own reasoning and our own knowledge. And uh, Mary, at this point, needed all of the childlike faith she can muster because she was going to experience an even more unexpected expecting than Elizabeth's. Zachariah and Elizabeth may have been old and their reproductive abilities may have been questionable at best, but Mary had never had sex. This pregnancy was an absolute impossibility. And uh, we're going to look at this story starting at Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think of what this angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great, and you will be, and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, But how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, 
The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby will be born, to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say that she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of the Lord, for the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And the angel left her. Now, Joseph, upon hearing that Mary was pregnant, uh, decided to break off the engagement, or he was deciding whether to, to, to break off the engagement uh, and figuring out how to do that. We pick up this story in Matthew chapter 1. It says, As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you will name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through, the prophet, through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. So they were expecting, and to say that it was completely unexpected is an understatement. You can imagine that as a young, engaged couple, they had some plans. They, they, had, they thought they knew kind of what their future looked like. They looked forward to their wedding day. They, they, um, they knew when it was going to happen, where it was going to happen. Uh, Joseph may have still been making some housing arrangements or figuring out his finances, but he had it under control and their future was laid out in their minds. I can imagine that they probably thought that they might have children right away, but this was putting the cart before the horse. This kind of messed up their plans. Um, but both of them responded in childlike faith, not needing their own rationalizations uh, to be met. They received and accepted the message from God. And Mary specifically received it with hope, saying, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. Incredible. Um, even when Mary was not expecting to be expecting, she received the message with joy. So put yourself in her shoes for a moment. She's received this message that the greatest event in human history was about to happen, and she was the woman of the prophecies. She would be the one to deliver the Messiah to the world. She was probably beside herself, uh, wanting to express all that was going on, but who else would really understand this? Who else would really appreciate uh, what it was like to be so unexpectedly expecting? And of course, the only answer to that was Elizabeth. And so within a few days, it says that she set out to go and visit Elizabeth. Not, not just set out, but it actually says that she hurried to see her. Upon Mary's arrival, Elizabeth said, while filled with the Holy Spirit, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believed. 
that the Lord would do what he said. Elizabeth said to Mary, you are blessed because you believed. Some translations say, happy is she who did believe. If she did not believe, happy would be the last thing that should be describing her. This could have been the most devastating news of her life. If she, if she were pregnant and God didn't have this all figured out, if he didn't have a plan, if he wasn't going to orchestrate everything, um, who was ever going to believe that she had not had sex? Whether it was by her choice or not, she potentially in this day could be stoned. And based on how quickly she headed out and the fact that it kind of looked like Joseph was taking some time to figure out how to handle the news, um, it seems likely that, that she left without knowing whether or not um, her marriage was even secure, whether or not Joseph was still going to be her future husband. Um, in human logic and reasoning, joy might have been a little hard to come by. But she believed and she trusted God um, that didn't mean that she automatically knew how everything was going to work. It didn't mean that, oh, I trust God, so now I can see it. It was still by faith. It was just knowing that God would work it out for good. And because of that belief, she was blessed. She was happy. Uh, when I was struggling to accept that Tanya was pregnant with Hannah, um, I specifically remember one day we were, uh, we were in Target and we were shopping and she was looking for, you know, supplies or whatever, getting ready for this new coming baby. And uh, I was walking down an aisle and I saw this, this shelving unit with a bunch of these little baby girl onesies on it. And, uh, and I started to imagine, you know, having this little baby girl and holding this little baby girl. And, uh, and, and I started to think about the joy of, of having this, this precious gift. And something changed in me in that, in that really in that moment. Uh, the, the situation didn't change. I mean, we still had a baby that was coming that I didn't really plan for, but I decided to focus on the joy that was coming rather than grieving my plans. I chose to be thankful instead of being a victim of my circumstances. <laughs> uh, uh, looking back a couple of verses we could read that John was jumping for joy in the womb. Jesus is the one that brings joy to the world. Even before he was born, Jesus was a reason for joy. How much more, now that his work on earth is finished, can we find joy in him? Um, many of you have heard before that uh, joy and happiness are not the same thing. Uh, both are good, but joy is better. It's better because it endures the unexpected circumstances of life. Happiness is based on circumstances, based on situations, if things are going well. But joy is based on hope in Christ, or at least our Christian joy is. The Greek word for joy, the joy that we find in Jesus that's used in the Bible, is chara. Um, and uh, it is not a joy that comes and goes as we often think of it. It's actually more of like a source of joy. It is, a, it is joy that is based on awareness of grace or favor. So as a Christian, our Christian chara or joy is based on the unfailing grace of God. Everything in, uh, in, else, everything else in life may be out of control or unreliable or oftentimes unexpected, but the Bible says 
that the joy of the Lord is our strength. It's something that we can count on. I heard a, an example of this, or they talked about how happiness is kind of like a helium balloon, and it, and it floats, and it's fun, and, and, but eventually it just kind of falls on the ground, and it's sad. Where joy is like a root planted in soil that, that is, is nourished. And, and even if you don't see the plant growing or, or moving around in the, in the breeze, you know, there's, there's life there that can be counted on. And so it's like joy is the root and the soil around it is, is the grace of God that nourishes it. So we have that kind of joy. It's, it's a combination of, of, of grace and, and peace kind of that brings us this joy. Before we close today, I want to talk a little bit about the source of that joy, the Savior that was promised. That, uh, that Savior that came to us in a humbly, lowly form as a human baby in a manger, he lived a blameless life and suffered and died for our sins and rose in victory. He delivered to us our eternal salvation. He is our Savior, Jesus Christ, the Lord, God's gift of joy to the world. So we read in uh, Isaiah 9, chapter 2, it says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. You have multiplied the nation and increased its joy. They rejoice before you according to the joy of the harvest. As men rejoice as they divide the spoil, For you have broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of the oppressor, as in the day of Midian. Why will those in darkness experience a great light? Why will those that have experienced darkness have joy? Who is going to break the yoke of slavery? Who's going to take the heavy burdens off of their shoulders and ours? Who breaks the power of the oppressor? So we continue in verse 6. It says, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and his government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. And I love this part. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. Isn't that good? I ask the worship team to come up. There will be times that things look dark. And there will be times that in the physical in the things that we know and the things that we see and how we understand things, the things that we can can control, uh, we might see that we can't control them, that there there isn't actually a way in the physical. Uh, We can see that maybe our plans just are not going to pan out. And when we stare into the barrenness of unfulfilled expectations or situations that are out of our control, when when we look at them with our own reasoning, with our own understanding, it can look bleak. It can look like being barren in your old age and having no expectation of your prayers being fulfilled. As those who have the light, though, 
those who have the light, we can choose joy. We can choose to look at what God has done. We can look at the grace he has given. We can look at the promises that he has made, and we can choose the joy of our salvation. We can choose joy, the joy that was delivered to us on Christmas, as the one thing in life that is unfailing that we can fix our eyes on that will sustain us. Uh, I'm reminded of the old, uh, an old hymn, an old favorite. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Isn't that good? It's just a matter of focus. It's a matter of where are you finding your joy? If you're fixing it on your, your hopes and expectations, they can fall flat. But if you fix it on God, it's a root that is established, that is never ending. Whatever it is in life that seems to steal your joy, whether it's politics or your financial situation, your health or your relationships, um, we have all experienced that life is full of the unexpected and life is out of our control. But regardless of whether or not you know uh, how it's going to work out or if it's going to work out, we can find joy in following Mary's example of believing in God's promises and trusting that he has a plan. And we can be blessed, we can be happy, because we believe. God gave an unexpected gift of joy to the world, and maybe they should have seen it coming. There was prophecies predicting it, but over time, people lose hope. But today, let the unexpected fulfillment of the prophecies about Jesus' birth stir up in us a new expectation for the fulfillment of the promises that God has made for us for today and for the future. Jesus brought us a hope of future joy, and we talked about this uh, back in our study in 1 Peter. Because God raised Jesus from the dead, we now live with great expectation. We have a priceless inheritance, and so we are to be truly glad that there is wonderful joy ahead. We have a reason to have great expectation for future joy, for future priceless inheritance. Even if on earth God's plans don't seem clear and we don't know if we're headed towards suffering or our hopes being fulfilled, uh, we do know that in the end we will have joy. And that promise of future joy and eternity with our Savior apart from sufferings and apart from unfulfilled expectations gives us joy today. We don't have to wait. First Peter continues saying in verse 8, You love him even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him, now you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. Luke 2, verse 8. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, the angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring to you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For, to, for there is born to you today in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. When the world was not expecting it, a Savior came into the world, kind of a second Genesis 
played out in the spiritual realm. In the beginning, the world was dark and formless, and God said, let there be light. The planet had no life, it had no light, it was just a brownish, grayish blob in a cold, dark universe. But God had a plan, let there be light. The spiritual world for humanity was dark. Sin had trapped humanity in death, and we had a debt that we could not pay. And the world's future was a grave of circumstances out of our control. But God had a plan, and he said again, with the power of the Holy Spirit, and he placed God in Mary's womb, saying, let there be light. And Jesus, the light of the world, came, and in his victory, and in his unfailing and everlasting promises, brought joy to the world. Go today in the power of the Holy Spirit, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, bringing glory to God. Amen.